Hi, and welcome to Iconic, a podcast where I'll be exploring the history and meaning behind popular queer symbols. My name is Stephanie. I am a queer, gender-fluid human living in New York City. And today I want to talk about that most recognizable of queer symbols, the rainbow. As a heads up and a preview, this episode contains nudity, drugs, lesbians, world records, and plenty of gay shenanigans. All right, so the rainbow uh, obviously is a symbol of gay pride, uh, used to highlight the beauty and difference because of all the colors of the rainbow, used a lot to indicate what might be safe spaces for queer people or just to put out front when a business wants gay people to spend money there. But it's one of our most recognizable symbols. So I think it's important to talk about where it came from. So it was developed by a man named Gilbert Baker. He was an openly gay man who was a drag queen and also an army veteran. He developed it in 1978. As part of his background as a drag queen, he learned to sew many of his own costumes. And he also regularly helped make banners for protest marches. Rainbow flag was first flown on June 25th, 1978 for the San Francisco Gay Freedom Day Parade uh, at the UN Plaza in downtown San Francisco. So this was the first sort of unveiling of the rainbow as a symbol. Before the introduction of the rainbow flag, the most widely accepted gay symbol in use at the time was the pink triangle. Now the pink triangle deserves its own episode but in brief, it was used to label gay prisoners during the Holocaust and was later reclaimed as a gay symbol. Rainbow flag would swoop in to largely replace the pink triangle as a more positive symbol, though of course the pink triangle still sees some use. So how did this flag come to fruition? Where did it come from? Uh, well, that story starts with Harvey Milk, uh, one of the first openly gay elected officials in the US, uh, but not the first. There were a couple gay women and uh, one gay man who had been elected earlier. Two of them came out after being elected and one actually ran as openly gay. But Harvey Milk was one of the more most famous. And so Harvey Milk is part of his strategy, part of his campaign uh, was about calling for gay people to be more visible. He really wanted people to come out and be out as gay to show people that they probably knew someone, uh, that a lot of these people who were campaigning for homophobic laws and against gay rights probably knew and loved someone who was gay. Um, and this is actually where we start to talk about coming out as a thing you do, coming out as gay. Uh, before, if you look before Harvey Milk's uh, campaign, if gay people talked about coming out, they were actually these sort of parody drag balls that were coming out like debutante parties for gay men, sort of in a parody of what, you know, stuck up aristocratic parties where gay men would come out as gay to the gay community. But talking about coming out as announcing to straight people in the world at large, hey, I'm gay, that really started as part of Harvey Milk's political strategy for gay rights. And so as part of his strategy, he wanted a symbol. Uh, he wanted something positive that people could associate with. And he came to Baker and asked him to come up with something. Now Baker had been really inspired by the bicentennial, which had happened two years before in 1976. So 200 year anniversary of the American Revolution. And there were flags 
everywhere. And not just flags, the American flag symbol started to be printed on clothing and all sorts of other goods. And this was actually a change because originally under flag etiquette, you're not really supposed to put the flag on anything else. And you're definitely not supposed to wear the flag. And so during the Vietnam War, it was actually a sign of protest to wear American flag clothing because it was seen as sort of disrespecting the flag. Uh, but around the bicentennial, this shifted and so it became sort of a patriotic thing and yada, 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 years later, now we have rednecks and American flag bikinis. But um, thank you, bicentennial, for flag bikinis. But in the bicentennial, the flag was everywhere and Baker was really struck by the potential of a flag as a really powerful symbol. He, Baker talks in a memoir, he wrote it in 1995, it was published a little after his death. Uh, so he talks about being inspired by both the American and French flags and that they both symbolize a revolution. He was already thinking, I wanna come up with a flag, but in terms of where he came up with the rainbow, well, he tells a story about going to see a band with Cleve Jones, a friend of his, who was also an important career activist, uh, especially around AIDS activism. He was the one who came up with the AIDS Memorial Quilt Project. Uh, so he was going to see a band with his friend Cleve, and he was struck by the diversity of the crowd. And he wrote that, quote, the crowd was as much a part of the show as the band. Everyone was there. North Beach Beatniks and Barrio Zoots, the bored bikers in black leather, teenagers in the back row kissing. There were long-haired live girls in belly dance get-ups, pink-haired punks safety pinned together, hippie suburbanites, movie stars so beautiful they left you dumbstruck, muscle gay boys with perfect mustaches, butch dykes in blue jeans, and fairies of all genders in thrift store dresses. We rode the mirrored ball on glittering LSD and love power. Dance fused us, magical and cleansing. We were all in a swirl of color and light. It was like a rainbow. A rainbow. That's the moment when I knew exactly what kind of flag I would make. So this is a beautiful story. This is the story that Baker tells in his memoir about being inspired. But Baker was not alone in the creation of the flag. And there's actually been a little bit of controversy around whether Baker and the wider community gave enough credit to the other people involved in creating the flag or possibly even helping come up with the idea. Now, in an interview that Baker did with the Museum of Modern Art, Baker does give particular credit to three people. Cleve Jones, who I mentioned earlier, he contributed to the first rainbow flag by really going to bat for Baker with the parade committee and convincing them to give Baker $1,000 to create the flag. Sewing was overseen by a man named James McNamara, a friend of Baker's. He had attended the Fashion Institute of Technology. And then the process of creating the dyes to give the flag its vibrant colors was overseen by an artist and activist who, at the time, went by the name Fairy Argyle Rainbow. Though it's possible she took on the rainbow moniker after this process. Uh, quite a name. She's since reverted to her birth name of Lynn Siegerblum. So she had been making flags for a sailboat company and creating costumes for an experimental theater, which was called the Angels of Light, uh, when Baker met her. So that was her background. Siegerblum has actually been a pretty vocal critic accusing Baker of taking all the credit 
and so she's the main one who's who sort of said this. In general, other people have recognized that Baker at least tried to give other people the credit, although some say he did really enjoy his status as the gay Betsy Ross, as he's been called. But anyway, um, Siegerblom, uh, no longer going by such a colorful name, um, at the time, Siegerblom was dating a woman and was very involved with gay activism. But today she identifies as straight, so that at that time, quote, everyone was experimenting. Uh, so this flag, there were actually two of them. They were first made by hand at the Gay Community Center in San Francisco, and that location was chosen on purpose. Baker wanted to make it there. He thought it was important that that be its home, its birthplace. They made the flags from a thousand yards of organic cotton muslin. They mixed natural dyes and trash cans um, because they were large enough. They used warm water, powdered colored dye, soda ash, and salt. Now they needed warm water, but the center didn't actually have hot water. So the water for the dye had to be heated over a stove and carried up a flight of stairs and a ladder to the roof. Volunteers had to continuously stir the dye for hours so the color would model. And they hand dyed the fabric without gloves, brightly staining their hands in the process. After dyeing the fabric, they took it to a laundromat to rinse, going late at night because washing newly dyed fabric was absolutely not allowed. The machines were dyed every color of the rainbow and the team tried their best to bleach the machines before they left. After they finished sewing the flags, uh, Siegerblom, or Fairy Argyle Rainbow, convinced the team to sprawl out naked on top of them because according to her, a flag about gay sex ought to be covered in it. Amazing. So if you've, you've ever had sex on top of a rainbow flag, there is precedent. And if you had not, maybe, maybe this is an excuse for a new tradition. Um, cover, cover more gay flags in gay sex, 2021. Thank you. On one of the two flags, they added some tie-dyed stars in circles of eight, thinking the stars would evoke the American flag and make it look more like a flag. This was Fairy Argyle Rainbow's idea. She said she wanted to make a rainbow version of the American flag, saying people love color, they love the rainbow. She suggested that the idea of using a rainbow was at least partially her idea. Who's to say? There's also some suggestion that an association of rainbows with homosexuality may have predated Gilbert Baker. There have been some novels, some like pulp novels that mention rainbows in the title. And some people thought the connection came from The Wizard of Oz, actually, uh, which had a large gay cult following um, and led to uh, the euphemism of calling someone who was gay a friend of Dorothy. There was some associations, partially because Judy Garland had an unfortunate habit of accidentally marrying gay men, uh, but also just had a very large following in the gay community. And also the movie itself is very evocative of camp, particularly the persona of the cowardly lion. There's some thought that the idea of linking rainbows with gay community actually came from this movie. But Gilbert Baker says the rainbow was all his idea and he denies being inspired by any of this. So the original flag actually had eight colors. 
and each of them were assigned a particular meaning. So the first color was hot pink. It didn't start with red, it started with pink, hot pink, supposed to symbolize sex. Uh, Janelle Monet would be proud. Red came next, which was supposed to symbolize life. Orange was for healing. Yellow was for sunlight. Green was for nature. And there was also turquoise, which was supposed to symbolize either art or magic. In the telling, some of these colors get assigned a few different meanings depending on who you are hearing it from. Next was indigo, which was supposed to symbolize harmony or serenity. And finally, violet, which was supposed to symbolize spirit. Our friend Fairy Argyle Rainbow said these meanings were actually added later and that at the time they didn't actually say the colors had any individual meanings. I mean, according to her, she had just said rainbows, people love rainbows. And Baker had said rainbow, diversity, all the cool people I saw in that concert. Um, the first mention of the meanings associated with colors came when Baker recounts telling one of the parade board members, Celeste Newborough, he had to come and talk to her to try to convince her to fund the flag. Cleve Jones had already signed off on it, but Celeste also had to be convinced. And so as part of trying to convince her to fund the flag, he explained the meaning of the colors to her. She very much accused him of making up the meanings on the spot, but signed off on the flag anyway. She was also the first one to call Baker the gay Betsy Ross. And when it finally came time to unveil the flags, remember there were two of them, uh, one of them featured the stars Fairy had suggested. Uh, the other one was without stars. And so on the day of the unveiling, uh, Baker got all dressed up for the occasion. Uh, according to him, he was dressed like glamour Jesus. He had long hair and a beard. He wore robes made from 20 yards of white silk and had a blood red velvet shoulder drape and high heeled sandals very much the showman. The flags were huge, like ridiculously huge. They were so heavy that they damaged the gears on the flag poles. They caused $90,000 worth of damage to city property because these flags were so big. So Baker really said, go big or go home. So these original flags were handmade. Later, when they wanted to mass produce the flag, they had to simplify it to make it cheaper. Uh, to manufacture the dyes and just to make it easier to make. So they took out pink and turquoise and they traded out the indigo for a more basic blue, giving us the six colored flag that has persisted. Its popularity first rose after Harvey Milk's assassination later that same year on November 27, 1978. So in the wake of his assassination, as a form of tribute, the flag became more popular. A few years later, in 1986, the International Flag Association recognized the rainbow flag as an official flag. The rainbow flag got a little more press in 1988 when a man living in West Hollywood named John Stout sued his landlords and won the right to fly a rainbow flag on his balcony. Other similar suits followed. It began to be even more widely recognized as a symbol in 1994 when Baker made a mile-long version of the flag for the 25th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. At the time, the Guinness Book of World Records recognized this as the world's largest flag. So they were ridiculously large to start and now they, they're even bigger. The rainbow flag surpassed itself again. Baker just kept making it bigger 
surpassed itself again in 2003 when he created an even larger flag, this one 1.25 miles long. And it was this one was restored to the original eight colors. The flag was flown in Key West, Florida, and was created to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the original flag. All right, let's get on it, guys. We got we to gotta get this record back. I think we can do it. We can always go bigger. And now in following years, there have been some variations on the rainbow flag, uh, lambda being a popular queer symbol, which I'll discuss in another episode. Some other versions of the flag have added a pink triangle to the flag. At one point, an AIDS activist named Leonard Matlevich suggested adding a black stripe to the bottom of the flag to symbolize the AIDS crisis, the intention that the black stripe be removed when a cure for AIDS was found. Um, His suggested flag never gained too much popularity. Some versions of the flag have added a white lambda. Some of the more lasting variations of the flag have happened in recent years. In 2017, the Philly pride flag added black and brown stripes to the traditional rainbow flag to recognize that queer people of color face unique intersectional challenges and it made some really extensive contributions to gay activism because none of us would have any rights without the work of trans women of color. Uh, So this flag, the Philly Pride flag, was created by Amber Hikes, who was serving as the executive director of the Philadelphia Office of LGBT Affairs at the time. Building on this design, a year later in 2018, an Oregon-based artist named Daniel Quasar created the Progress Pride flag through a successful Kickstarter campaign. This flag kept the black and brown stripes from the Philly Pride flag and added the white, pink, and light blue stripes of the trans pride flag. A progress pride flag became more popular when it went viral last year in 2020 in the midst of the summer surge of Black Lives Matter protests. Progress pride flag is taken off in popularity. All right, so that was the history of the rainbow as a symbol and specifically of the rainbow flag as a gay symbol. And so to wrap up this story, I wanna, I wanna talk about the value of this symbol. For starters, what's its recognizability factor? On a scale of closeted to 100-footer, how recognizable is the rainbow? I would say on this one, it's pretty much a 100-footer. Pretty much everyone recognizes the rainbow. And whether or not they like that it's been associated with gay people, they recognize that it is. Some homophobic churches, of course, take an issue with this. Uh, One thing I always think is funny is when you see products made for children that have rainbows on them, but they'll purposely put the colors in a different order so you know that it's not gay. We hate gay people so much. We're going to rearrange the visible light spectrum. Great. Good job. Good job. Um, But so it's very recognizable to straight and queer people alike. And so in this way, it's very effective. Now, sort of the trade-off of it being so recognizable is that it's maybe become a little watered down in its meaning, especially since it's been so commodified at this point. And when it's that easy for a symbol to be bought and sold, it's possible that its political bite has been lost a little bit. Maybe the introduction of the Progress Pride flag and the Philly Pride flag will will help to add a little bit more of the political bite back to the rainbow flag. Uh, But then, of course, there's the difficulty of the progress pride flag being a little more expensive to produce because of copyright issues. And then also the question of should a symbol of gay pride be someone's intellectual property? That's complicated as well. 
All right. And now to finish out this episode, I want to leave you with a gay joke. How many lesbians does it take to change a light bulb? Two. Two lesbians. Because one in two lesbians identifies as a switch. Yeah. I'm not daddy, but I do have dad jokes. And I'm reminding you that the best people are gay and ridiculous. So stay amazing and stay proud. Okay, bye.